0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights, outtakes from Jeremy Lee's uh, Sports Cards Live. I was, uh, well, first, thanks sponsors, Top Panini Upper Deck Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComSea.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. In fact, we talked about sponsors and advertisers in this segment. So, but you see, it's a two hour program. I was on for the first hour, and this is, uh, just a, a bite-sized portion of it. I uh, certainly encourage you to listen to him every Saturday night. So I do <laughs> hope you do too. So thanks, Jeremy. And here it is.
1: I believe you're known to say you don't want to be an influencer in the hobby. You want to influence the influencers, if that if that makes sense. Can you explain what your sentiment is when you say words that I probably messed up a little bit?
0: At one point, I had one of the biggest megaphones in the industry through the magazines, But that's not anymore. I just have a podcast. That's my main social media thrust. So I'm never going to have the platform and coverage that I used to have or that I even want to have because it really generated, I've said, a thousand pieces of mail every morning and every afternoon. I'm happy with what I'm doing. I look at guys like you and uh, other podcasters out there that are doing original content. I can just either be a guest or uh, make some suggestions. And I I don't say I'm 100% in agreement with you, but on the other hand, there are things that you will bring up that I think that's not the whole story. You're not wrong, but it's not the whole story because you weren't there in the 70s. You started in 1980. So I've got a little bit of an edge on you. I'm a little bit older and not necessarily wiser, but I'm definitely older and uh, I want to contribute, but I also want to stay current.
1: I will always defer to you as being wiser than me, Jim. That, to me, is quite obvious. And you've actually been really kind to me over the last three and a half years. I reached out to you quite early in my content journey, and you've provided me with some mentorship, which I've greatly appreciated. i put to use. I've really taken advantage of the time that I've had with you. It reminds me of just this past National, when we were at the Content Creators Gathering there were probably a hundred different people there, content creators or consumers of content. I was going through a bit of an internal conflict with whether I was going to acquire some cards or not. And I brought it up with the table. You were at the table. Rich Klein was to your left and we had Danny Black there and John Newman and some others as well. The situation was there were some cards that were presented to me that I would love to buy. But the person who presented them to me was an agent for the seller. And I wasn't sure if the price was fair and too much money for me. And you gave me some advice. You had some suggestions. And I think suggestions may be worthy of sharing with more than just me
0: or the people at that table. We talked that night and then I contacted you later that I that I thought I should have said that too. Uh, the first thing is that anytime you're, there's a middle person in there, they have the chance to be a good cop, bad cop. But the interme- intermediary could say, oh, you're going to have to pay this much. It's, if it was up to me, I'd I'd cut you a deal, but it's not my card. And you don't even know what's going on. You can't play poker with the person because that's not the owner of the card. And so you're at a disadvantage. So it just comes down to how bad do you want the card? And just like in poker, this guy's reading you to say, hey, he really wants these two cards because they are exceptional. And he's not gonna see him for a long time if he passes on this. So that was one thrust, is that it's always better to deal with somebody face-to-face. And then you could do part trade or you could work the deal. The second thing was, and this is just what's happened for you recently and has happened to some people and me back in the day, is that you are now a hobby, not just an insider, you're making your living off the hobby. And so as such, your investment profile and the diversity of your investments needs to be taken into account. In other words, you can't be all in the industry where you get your paycheck and that's the sole source of your personal investments. I believe it's prudent to do things that are uncorrelated with your job. If you were in real estate, then you wouldn't want to say, "Hey, I know a lot about real estate. All my investments are going to be real estate." That's great, except that real estate does, is cyclical. Cards are cyclical too, and so I just thought, if it's a ten or fifteen percent of your investable assets, go for it. But <laughs> you you can do more than that if. You're making a living in some other industry. But as we've seen, there's companies that have gone under. There's companies that have been major disruptions. Tag sounds like a great fit for you, but you are making your living off the industry. And so your investment profile, I believe, should change. But right. you are buying for your personal enjoyment and buying grail cards. So
1: go they for it, which right? you did. I did. I, I pulled the trigger, and I, I went to another group and uh, solicited additional advice, and decided to pull the trigger. I think that's great advice. Diversify. Hopefully, everyone's but listening. Di- I think. I can
0: get- but diversify more if you're working in the hobby. If You're not working that's- in the hobby. You can be all in because you're a banker. You have your banking job.
1: Let's talk about your content, Sports Card Insights podcast. I remember the first time. You were on the show was episode thirty with me. It's over three years ago now. This is episode one ninety nine of what I refer to now as like the flagship show, Sports Cards Live, the Saturday night interview show. But at that point, we're at like maybe episode three hundred and something. Your goal back then was to get to a thousand episodes of your fifteen minute podcast, Sports Card Insights. You're past a thousand now, Jim. When you were when you were creeping up to a thousand, now you've passed it. What is your current? plan or strategy for the podcast uh, as you move past episode 1000?
0: I wouldn't say it was a goal. It was what I was agreeing to. The average podcast lasts seven episodes. They come and they go. So my brand promise for this Sports Card Insights uh, podcast was I was going to do a thousand. Now, I didn't say I would do more than a thousand, but I was basically saying I'm not going to do less than a thousand because I wanted to tell a lot of stories. I thought I'd be doing interviews, which I have. I thought I'd be dealing with past topics and current topics and future topics and all that. As I got closer to a thousand, I realized there's still more people to talk to, more issues, and there's stuff happening all the time. Not all of it is negative. There's uh, positive news as well. And I'm having fun with it. And last Thanksgiving, I reduced my frequency. And I went to three times a week and that really gave me a new lease on life. And I thought a thousand is in sight. I'm going to make that, but I'm going to enjoy it more if I do it a little bit less. I've said it's not always the greatest full-time hobby, but it's certainly the greatest part-time hobby. And so I made it a little bit more of a part-time thing and I'm enjoying it more. The problem is I'm just get too far ahead. I can't promise guests that I can get them on real quick. You may have the same problem because you're just doing once a week. But three times a week has really given me a new lease on life. If I get frustrated, maybe I'll decrease the frequency further. But I noticed Cage, Cage Lawyer. He got to 1,000 episodes. What did he do? He's restarted, and he's three times a week as well. He's not copying me because he's definitely his own man. But it was a good decision for me, and it probably was a good decision for Cage, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on 1,000, and thank you for your continued dedication to this hobby, considering you did sell the business about 18 years ago now, and you don't need to continue to provide advice and insights for new hobbyists, veteran hobbyists, and the like. Just thank you, Jim. It's awesome. I listen to it. I know many people do. I just want to say thanks because your insights are invaluable.
0: I'm going against type by not being focused because I'm a very focused person, and I'm intentionally giving myself permission to not be focused to do non-linear episodes that don't necessarily follow one after another, uh, much like you do. Whatever's coming up, you're not doing serial episodes where if you didn't listen last week, you're going to be lost. So I'll have episodes about vintage type stuff. And then the next episode, I might open a new box of something that the vintage people could care less about. That's why I'm saying influencing influencers, because people should listen to all the podcasts. But to mine, if they have some interest in a broad base of knowledge about the industry, about where it's been, where it is and where it's going.
1: Your good friend, Rich Klein, says Dr. Jim, is still the smartest guy in the room and can't wait to hear what he has to say tonight.
0: First of all, to Rich Klein, here's my rejoinder. Rich, you realize that I am in my room all by myself. So I'm always the smartest guy in the room when I'm in my own card cave room with nobody else there. But I'm in a Zoom room with Jeremy, and I'm jousting with Jeremy, and we each have our specialties.
1: When you talk about black and white thinking, what are you thinking about when it comes to the hobby?
0: All or nothing. And this is something some companies either all good or all bad, or a deal is all good or all bad, or the pricing structure is good or bad. I think there's a lot of things up for discussion, and if you really understand the hub, you'll realize there's a lot of gray areas, and black and white thinking ignores the gray, and black and white thinking, you're gonna follow the herd, because they just say, hey, this is the way it is. So by hearing a multitude of voices, it's gonna be confusing at first because you're gonna have opposing viewpoints. You're good to get those on and to create some honest debate. That's healthy. That's how kids learn. That's how hobbyists learn. That's how you build your skill level by seeing that no matter who the player is, no matter how great the GOAT is, a card could be overpriced. It could be so fully priced that it's overpriced. And no matter how bad the guy is, a card could be underpriced. Supply and demand are seemingly ignored in the hobby for periods of time, but not forever. Eventually, supply and demand comes back into equilibrium.
1: We talked about balance the other day. In the the topics of the content, is there balance in our hobby right now? I've noticed we have lots of different approaches to creating content. You've got original content creators, you've got the news reporters, you've got the content about the content. You've got the show-and-tells, the breaking, any specific areas or genres within or niches within content that you think are unbalanced or could use more balance or a counterpoint.
0: You just have to be a discerning listener or viewer. Basically, uh, all the successful podcasts and and content creators are educating and entertaining. And so there needs to be an entertainment element and an education element. But the insidious thing is that some of these content creators – are educating and entertaining with an edge toward encouraging you to uh, do what they're recommending that sometimes is good for them. You've got to be discerning to say, what is this person's point of view? And if their point of view is to sell their own stuff or to promote something, then you just take that with a grain of salt. It's buyer beware. In that sense, they're not purely a content creator that's unbiased. And that's okay. If you watch any of the news networks, they are all biased one way or another. Cable networks, it's pretty well known. They lean one way. If you just looked at the content creators the same way, then you'd think that's uh, okay. I'm going to take that as it's expressed and I'm going to make sure I have some other opinions that allow me to have a balanced viewpoint. But if somebody's completely bullish or completely bearish, you really ought to be listening to both. Because not everything's going to go up, and not everything's going to go down.
1: When you are when you are a content creator and you have sponsors, both of us fall under in, into that uh, category. What should we be doing to ensure that we are not alienating our audience, we're not misleading our audience, we're not allowing our biases to creep into the message, the education, the entertainment, the inspiration that we're trying to provide and deliver? week after week or show after show? Because there the fact is that there are other content creators out there. A sponsored content creator has to say what their sponsors tell them to say. And I know that's not true, at least for me, but it might be for others. And should the audience just beware of the content creators that are sponsored?
0: First of all, I, I make a distinction between sponsors and advertisers. So I have sponsors, not advertisers. So I'm not reading ads uh, actually, you can charge more if it's an ad because you're saying what they want to say. So I expressly wanted sponsors where what I'm saying is I trust these guys. I pick these guys. I'm going to stand with them until such time as I find out that if they do something crummy, I'm going to say you can't be my sponsor anymore. That hasn't happened because I think I chose wisely. Some of them had some ups and downs, but I'm endorsing them. And you are, whether it's sponsoring or advertising, you're saying, I think these are good guys. I think they're straight shooters. I like their products. I perhaps use their products. So your reputation is aligned with theirs. Not just them telling you what to do. You're telling them, say, look, you want to be my sponsor. You've got to take care of the customers. You've got to keep your nose clean. And so I think you have power because you're the connection to the public. When you're saying, I believe in tag, that means something. I'm standing with tag. They have a great product. And that's what you're saying. Whether you say it that way or not, that's what it is. And so if they mess up, it damages your reputation. If one of my sponsors messes up, it's damaging my reputation. These content creators need to be very careful about who they're promoting or what they're promoting because it's their reputation too.